Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have together tonight. We trust you with this program, that you will speak to us, and that you open our eyes of understanding and give us understanding in the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are still continuing with the, the topic, the things that are freely given to us. I will say this should be part two or three. I think it's part two. Our text remains the same. First Corinthians 2 <clears throat> verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Can you begin to see one of the things that the Holy Spirit came to do to you, for you, is to reveal these things to you. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. It's not what you teach with human wisdom, but which the Holy Spirit himself teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The Holy Spirit is the one here to reveal them, to teach it to us. And, and it's important that we understand that it is not humanistic uh, uh, in, uh, uh, discourse. It's not, it's not intellectual discourse. It's spiritual discourse. So the gift of his life. Jesus gave us his life by his presence in us. Now, this is one of the most thrilling revelations that God ever gave to man. One of them, that God lives in you and in me who are Christians who have received Jesus into our lives, that the same Jesus, the same Jesus we read about in Scripture now lives in me and in you. You know, people travel to Jerusalem. And by the grace of God, I've been there to see where Jesus walked. And get, we get goose pimples. I mean, when I went there, got to get um, to a Mount of Olive, I got goose pimples. I saw those, the, the places they say he prayed. I mean, my hair stood on end. But I'm saying to myself, how come that Jerusalem gives me more goose pimples than Christ himself living in me? How come? I mean, the Lord himself is living in me, and I don't get goose pimples. But I go to, I, I, I fly 11,000 kilometers to Jerusalem. He's, he's, not, he's not there. He walked there. And I'm getting goose pimples like, man. And people, tears came to my eyes. People were really crying. If a place, physical place, can give us this kind of goose pimple. How come the presence of the Lord in us does not wake our consciousness to this great thing God has done? So last week, we saw how this very truth that Christ lives in us has given us tremendous privileges, one of which is having the same authority that he has, through his name, and how we share with him his glory of sitting together with him in heavenly places 
far above all powers of Satan, and every other name that is named. And this is not a privilege of any set of Christians. It's a privilege of all who have received Jesus Christ into their lives. It's not a privilege of any particular man or woman of God. We honor them, but it's not their privilege. It is everybody's privilege, they and us. Christ is in me, Christ is in them. So we enjoy the same privileges that Christ confers on those in whom he lives. So you have the privilege of sitting with him in heavenly places, which means spiritually talk, saying you have this authority that he has because you are seated with him where he's seated, place of authority, far above principalities, powers, and names. Name them. So you too are seated there. You are not excluded if you have Christ in you. And this has not been explained to many Christians. And that's why this dependence thing is continuing because people are dependent on others. You have the same privilege they have. You could sit where God said you should sit. And they exercise the same authority over all these things that Jesus exercised. Didn't Jesus say the works I did, you will do them also. Why? Because he said, I go to my father and he's coming back. And he came back, lives in us. I want, to, I want us to note that if you do not exercise this authority, you will be a victim. Because the thing that you're exercising authority over want to exercise their own authority over you and influence you, control you, afflict you. But you have a greater authority than they do have. But if you're not going to rise up and exercise your own God-given authority, they will run all over you. Because that's what they want to do. And there is no way around it there is no way around it. You either rise up, friends, either you rise up and believe these truths and begin to exercise it, or they run all over you and they are determined to do that. So either you rise up, reign in Christ, or you sit down there, wasting your time, complaining, murmuring, being a victim of the very enemy you should be walking all over him. He's under your feet. Now let's see what happens here. Romans 5.17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over men. See? The sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule. They don't want to rule over you. And when you talk of death, you can extrapolate it to sickness. Because sickness is, the, is baby death. It, sickness is what brings death, physical death. Spiritual death is included. Spiritual, physical death is also part of it all. Because God didn't create Adam to die. The Bible says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. So before Adam sinned, death was not ruling. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it, we live in triumph. Christians, I hope we read these things and believe them. We live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Through Christ in you, you live in triumph over sin and death. 
And then when you live in triumph over sin and death, which means you live in triumph over sickness that brings death. Because they have name. The Bible said, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world to come, you have authority over them. In Romans 6, 12, do not let sin control the way you live. If you don't, it will control the way you live. There is no good, you can't get around this thing. Either you control your tongue or your tongue will cause you trouble. Will ruin your Christianity, ruin everything you are doing. Destroy your testimony all over the place. Either you control your emotions or your anger will destroy your, your testimony everywhere people will know you. Do not let sin control the way you live. You say why? Because Christ lives in you. That's what we're talking about. He has given you authority. The same authority he had to exercise. Do not give in to sinful desires. Don't, don't go and be giving all these excuses. Is this person that cost me? Nobody cost you. You chose it. Nobody. Do not give in to sinful desire. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. You either reign over sin, or I will make you serve him. One way or the other. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead. But now you have new life. Christ is in you now. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Do it. Just do it. It doesn't get simpler than this. I don't see they told us what else to do. They just said do it. That's what I read here. Do not let sin control the way you live. Quit means do it. Just don't. It didn't say do this one before this. No, no, no. It said do it. We say why? Because you are dead and you have received a new life. Christ is in you. The Lord lives in you. You are joined to him. You can do it. Verse 14 says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Under grace, under the grace, Christ came into your life. You are saved by grace, received by faith. Christ came into your life. Under the law, we didn't have Jesus in us. Moses didn't bring us Jesus. Moses didn't bring us salvation. He didn't bring us Jesus. He brought the law. And the law condemned all of us. For the law said, the soul that sinner shall die. Period. The law never provided us salvation. Never provided us forgiveness. Except that God gave Israel a, a limited way of righteousness by blood of animals. Which couldn't wash away anybody's sin. So now I want to see another key benefit of his presence and his love in us. And it is to be regretted that this aspect of the gospel has not been really taught. You know, we, 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 we are familiar with Jesus dying, which is true. Familiar with Jesus on the cross, which is true. We are familiar that Jesus rose, which is true. We are not familiar with Jesus living in us. 
We are not familiar that Jesus really, really lives in you and lives in me. Neither are we familiar with the fact that he, he is our great high priest. These two aspects of the gospel is not being taught frequently. And so many Christians are not familiar with them. The benefits of them, they have no idea what it does in Allah. Some still carry the cross on their neck, carry Jesus on their neck, thinking that there's, there's power in all that kind of thing. So now, let us see a key benefit of his presence within us. One of the most important ones. We are called to be a full expression of his life. Because we were created to be like him. And we have his presence in us. This aspect, many do not focus on. But this is very important. That you and I were created in Christ to be a full expression of Jesus. A full expression of Jesus. Again, this aspect is not really emphasized. Oh, what we teach people is the law. The, the law won't bring that. Jesus is not the law. Jesus is not the commandment. You be a, to be a full expression of Christ. Look at what Peter said. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own position, so that you may proclaim now, the excellencies, the wonderful deeds, and virtues, and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, so that we can proclaim. Action speaks louder than word, so that by my life I can proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds, and virtues and perfections of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. First John 2 she says, those who say they live in God should live like live their lives as Jesus did. We should live our lives as Jesus did. So now how did Jesus live his life? It's important to find out in Hebrews 1 3. Look at what the testimony about him. He being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had been, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He was, he was the brightness of the glory of God. He said, if you see me, you see my father. There's no difference here. The brightness of the glory of of God, the express image of God. And if we want to live like he lives, then we too should be the express image of Christ. We should be the brightness of the glory of Jesus. Because he lives in me. Can't manufacture this in the world. He lives in you. So he should be able to shine out. Galatians 6, from verse 15. It says, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts 
church, what counts? It's not that you're a senior pastor. It's not that you are secretary or president. Very important. These are very important. Nobody's knocking them down. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. What counts? It's not, it's not that you are whatever. What counts? It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. A new creation. Unfortunately, we have distilled Christianity to rituals. Once you fast, which is good, we pray, which is good, do night vigil, wonderful. That's it. It's not true. What counts? What counts above all of, all those things that are supposed to, 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 to help you express the full brightness of the glory of Christ? What counts? So it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not, or whether we do whatever else or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Have, are we expressing the fullness of his image? Different from what we used to be. Created to be like God. That's what the Bible says. Created to be like God. In true righteousness and true holiness. He said that's what counts. That should be our goal. That's what counts. Oh, you can get anything from miracles. It's wonderful to get. I too want miracles. You can get, buy 10 cars, get the best job, and, and testify, which is good. I mean, nobody's knocking them down. But what counts above all of that? This is why living in you. It's not just to give you job and card. The reason so that you can express his, the fullness of his glory. And that includes now, that includes now, knowing how to, through prayer, get things that you need in life. Including cars, including jobs, including wives. Includes all of them. Transformed into a new creation. And then the Lord Jesus said it this way in John 15 from verse 1. And I want you to listen to the Lord. Can we just, just imagine him in front of you talking to you directly? Just imagine Jesus talking to you directly. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine, which is a Christian. Every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they produce even more. So you can see the importance of fruit bearing. The, 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 when you talk of fruit, a tree is known by its fruit. It's known by its fruit. A mango is identified by the fruit. So in verse 2, he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. That's if you can listen. Remain in me then, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Do you see the emphasis the Lord is laying on bearing fruit, bearing fruit, producing fruit, which means producing a life that is like him because he's the tree and you are a branch. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's, let's go into Romans eleven seventeen. But if some of the branches were broken off, while you are a wild olive shoot, we are grafted in among them to share the rich, richness of the root and sap of the olive tree. Verse 20. That is true. We are grafted in. A branch, a wild branch that was grafted in. I want to repeat this thing because it needs to sink it to us. Sometimes we are careless with our Christianity and it leads nowhere. It, it actually leads to frustration. It leads to a lot of frustration and confusion. But if some of the branches were broken off, why you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among them to share the richness of the root and sap of the olive tree, verse 20. That is true, but they were broken off because of their unbelief, their lack of real faith. And you are established through faith because you do believe. So do not become proud and conceited. They rather stand in awe and be reverently afraid. He said, you were grafted in. Through your faith in Christ, you became a branch of Christ. Simply because you believed. That's how we became a, a, a branch of Christ. And now Romans 18 says, now Christ lives his life in you. Now that you become a branch, his life is flowing through you. So he now lives his life in you. He now lives his life in you. And so the scripture again describes him as the light that shines through us. First Peter 2 9 says, Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? I'm, I'm, I'm taking the last line of First Peter 2 9 because we read it before. He says, who called you out of darkness into his, his marvelous light? Not your light, his light. Then Ephesians 5, 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once, you were full of darkness. But now, you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. You have light from the Lord. He lives in us. He is the light in us. We have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. So this light within you produces what is good and right and true. You know, we live in an age of Entertainment. Entertainment is so, it has so much influence on the society. Everything has to be an entertainment. And so, which is, I mean, it's a life. And I'm thinking about us, the body of Christ. It's good to do worship all over the place. Worship and dance all over the place. It is amazing. But the Bible says that the true worship to God is to give him your life. Is to surrender your body to him. You say, this is, this is your reasonable service. Another translation says, this is the way to worship him. 
This is important. That will bear fruit. That will become expression of his life. That's the greatest worship you can give to God. That's the greatest one you can give to God. Ephesians 5, 8 says, For once you were full of darkness, but now, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. That's how you worship him. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And he said in another place, let your light so shine. You want to worship him? There is it. Let your light so shine so they will see it and glorify me. Worship. True worship. In truth and spirit. True worship. True worship. When you have people who truly honor the Lord gather, his glory shows. His glory shows. His glory never fails to manifest. Now, there are some things that will hinder this life from manifesting. Number one is ignorance. It will hinder it from shining, not knowing that you have this life. Not knowing that you have this life. Not living in awareness of his presence in us. Again, we are aware of God in heaven, and it's true. We are aware that Jesus died. He rose again. Christians are aware of that. But we are not really, really very much aware of the living Christ in us. We know that wherever two or three are gathered, his name is there. But we are not really very, very much aware of Jesus living in us. Which is a key revelation of Christianity. Which is a major, mind-boggling revelation of Christianity. So if we're ignorant of his presence in you, you know what you do? You will lean towards what you are naturally used to. And that's your flesh and reasoning. Ephesians 4, 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Gentiles are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. See, no, Christians don't live in darkness. The darkness is ignorance. There's no light of the world. So don't live like that. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Can you give me this in King James Version, this verse 18? Verse 18, Ephesians 4, verse 18. King James Version, Ephesians 4, 18. Having the, the understanding darkened, see what I mean? They are ignorant. Being alienated from the life of God 
through the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance will keep you from participating in what God already gave you. From enjoying what God already gave you. You see, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. You see, Christians should not live in ignorance. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He says it alienates one from the life of God through ignorance. So ignorance, we, we, we not let this life in you manifest because you don't know it's there. So you rely only on your natural instincts and your natural things, your, your, your comfort zone, because you are used to that for years, your comfort zone. Now look at this church that had the same mindset of the world. Whether there was Jesus in them, they didn't know. They didn't know at all. And because of that, they ignored him. He was there, but he wasn't manifesting through them. Because they would rather let the flesh guide them, rather let the because that's the way they live their life. 1 Corinthians 6, 4. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? They didn't even have respect for their church leaders. Disrespect. I am saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? They won't respect anybody. Pride. But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Verse 7. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Do you know Christians fight their battles on Facebook? <laughs> I'm telling you. I don't have Facebook. Facebook, Instagram. That's why they're going to be exposing their hedonism. Exposing their total ignorance of, of what Christianity is. They fight their battles in public, shamelessly. I am this. This. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? In public. In before he does, they don't care what it does to the body of Christ. They don't care what it does to the testimony of Jesus. They don't whether there is Jesus. In the, they don't know. They are full of ignorance. That's what is happening here. And they create groups, my group. Brethren, Jesus is coming. He's coming. It, he's coming. Paul said, I'm saying this to your shame. Verse 7. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? No, they won't. Mm -hmm. Why not let yourselves be cheated? Why not? 
Instead, you, you yourself are the ones who do wrong. Cheat even your fellow believers. Don't you realize? You see, you see what they don't know? Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't you understand? You are cheating yourself out of your blessings. Don't, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people, drunkards or abusive, their mouth is poison. They gossip all over the place. Oh, and they come to church and dance moves. Hiddens. Those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's Bible. Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin and all the sins that I read, thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. For by their fruits you shall know them. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So if you were, if you were like that, it means you are no more like that. If you were like that, it means you are no more like that. Verse 15. Don't you realize, you see what they don't know? Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Ignorance. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it a prostitute? Never. 16. Don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Say, don't you realize that Jesus is a you? Join to your spirit. Run from sexual sin. No other sin is clearly no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. Why? Because you do it with your body. You do it with your body. You engage in it with your body. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize? See what they don't realize? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Ignorant. And was given to you by God. Do you do not belong to yourself. Ignorant. Just do what they like. Because they get angry. There's a song they sing in Nibu. They say, Jehovah Banya, Anya. That God is the eyes that sees everything. That's what the translation. God is the eyes that sees everything. Nothing is hidden from him. Paul said, he's the auditor of my life. It's not about ritualism. 
It's not about we're doing praise worship here. Praise worship. We're doing praise worship. We're praise worship. We're 12 hours praise worship. It's all wonderful. Beautiful. But the thing that matters most is the new creation. Is that Christ has expression as the Lord of our life through us. That's true worship. Number two thing is unbelief hinders this light. Wrong believing. Hebrew 4.2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. The gospel did not profit. The gospel does not profit some people. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard. They heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. If you don't believe the gospel, you're not going to experience it. Hebrews 3.12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turning you away from the living God. Not towards God. Away. Unbelief. Wrong believing. That's why wrong doctrine is dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And so we Christians walk by faith. We walk by faith. Because faith is our victory. We walk by faith. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. That's how we live. Not in unbelief, not in ignorance. You can't have faith in ignorance. Faith comes when you begin to have a revelation of the word of God. You can't have faith in ignorance. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. You can't draw back into unbelief. You cannot. The just lives by faith. Now Paul gives a testimony so we can learn from it. Christ lives in him. He is giving this testimony of the reality of the presence of Jesus in his life. Don't forget our, where we're coming from. The things that are freely given to us, the presence of Christ in us, the life of Jesus in us. In Galatians 2.20, say, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. No longer I who live. No longer I. I have given Christ my life. I don't live. But Christ lives in me so he can have full manifestation of his life. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. The just shall live by faith. The Son of God who loved me gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Now, let me explain something here. When you trust, when you trust Christ, 
When you trust somebody, you rest on the one you trust. If you trust me to give you a, a pain, you don't worry about pain again. You rest, you trust me to provide it. That's why the Bible says, we who have believed that entered into his rest. If you trust me to give you a car, you, don't have, you are not going around looking for a car again. Because you trust me. You enter into my rest. Because I made the promise. The rest is that by promising what I'm saying, you don't have to worry about cars, don't worry about it again. I'll give, you to, I'll give you a car. So when we trust Christ with our life, like Paul said, we, are, we, we go into rest. Paul said, it is no longer I who live. I'm dead. I don't have to worry about how to live. Christ now lives. Because I handed my life over to him. He's in me. Question is, can you produce better righteousness than what Christ can produce? Between all your effort to be good and this, and what Christ can do, which one is far better? And so, the burden of life or trying to do everything, the law says, is not the way to do this thing. If we, if, we try, if we have Christ in me, why bother do what he can do better? He's the one at work in me. So why don't I just let him? That's what the scripture is talking about. Number two is nobody has ever even kept all the laws. I mean, all this trying to do this, nobody has even done it well. Nobody has, if we can be sincere about it. And so the better way is to trust, to trust Jesus, who can do it perfectly well. Do it better than you can do. It's to trust him to live, like Paul said. I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God. He has shown his love for me, gave himself for me, so he's worthy of my trust. And it's in me. So it's not, it's not to say, oh, you can do whatever you like. No, that is to give you a better option of achieving the same goal of living a life that pleases God. Because the life that pleases God, the life of Jesus. God made it clear. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So if Christ is the one at work in you, then that life is the life that God will be well pleased with. So he's giving you a, an option that is far better than you trying to obey the laws and you won't be well pleasing to God. Because by, by the arm of the flesh will fail you, um, and then you, by strength shall no man prevail. You keep stumbling and falling. But when you tr trust Jesus, he will keep you, for we are kept by the power of God, and he will work out these things in you. So he told us to make a choice to trust him or to do it ourselves. But he warned us that without me you can do nothing. That's absolutely true. Now, let's say, look at Acts 15, 8. God knows people's heart, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. Verse 9. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. 10. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we, nor our ancestors could bear. We're able to bear. <coughs> he said, we're not able to bear this yoke. This yoke of trying to please God, obey the whole laws. And yet, without Christ, we can't do that. So we're trying to do something that 
we can't do because we are excluding him and giving them all this. And I say, you Gentile believers, this is the law. Go and keep them. And Peter is saying, you are challenging God. Because God says, without Christ, you can't do these things. And that's why you are giving them this burden to go and do something they cannot do. Why are you challenging God? Verse 11 says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by, un, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you are saved is not once. You are saved and continuously being protected, being preserved by the same Jesus by the same Jesus, if you, if you take away Jesus at any point in your life, you are toast to sin. You are toast to the devil. That's why I say, because the greater one lives in you, you have overcome this world. So, we say verse 10, Acts 15. 10. So, why are you now challenging God? By burdening the Gentiles, believers, with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. Why are you doing that? And all we did was to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we are saved and continuously being preserved by the same Christ in us. You know, Jesus was, like I said some time ago, was comparing his ministry with the ministry of Moses, saying exactly what Peter said. What Peter said is what Jesus said. In Matthew 23, from verse 1. He said, then, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. He said, Yeah, they sit in Moses' seat because the new covenant has not started. Christ has not gone to the cross and died. To establish the new covenant. He said, the, the old covenant is still in, in force. He said, so they're teaching you the laws of Moses. He said, you better do it. But he said something revealing. He said, he says, uh, he says in verse, um, verse 3, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their words, for they say and do not. Now, when you see this, you would think that the reason they are not doing it is because they, they are trying to be, to be something cocky or something. No. The reason they are not doing it is because they can't. They cannot. That's what Peter said. He said, we and our fathers could not do this. And say these people are giving you the laws to do this and do this. And he said, they can't even do it themselves. All is verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, the law, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they, they, they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers because it's not possible for them to do it. Peter said, we couldn't, our fathers couldn't, all these people teaching us couldn't. He says, it's, it's heavy burden. That's why Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are heavy, but then I'll give you rest. Go, trust me with your life. I will live through you and do that which is not possible with you. Leave me with it. Let me handle it. That's why I came. 
For you were without strength. I die for you. You don't have strength. You don't have strength. You can't do nothing without me. I've come to do that which you can do. I'm the savior of the world. I came to save you from this burden. Give it to me. Rest. Like I said, if I promise you a car, what I'm saying is rest. Don't worry about car. Jesus said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of that myself. That's why I came. To live in you, walk in you, do that which you couldn't do. Be your strength. Be your light. We know there are people who, who rejected it. That's people still do it today. Romans chapter 10 from verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and my supplication to God is for them that they may be saved. He's talking about his, his people. Verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. People do have zeal for God. But not according to knowledge. They're walking in ignorance. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes that the man who do, do doeth the righteous, the man that doeth the righteousness which is of the law shall live by it. But nobody could carry the body. The Bible says, by the deeds of the Lord shall no man be justified before God. Nobody could carry this burden, not even the people teaching it. None of it. So Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is amazing. Take my yoke upon you now, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He said, learn of me to be meek so I can teach you. Be meek, be teachable so I can teach you. I can show you. My, all I desire is for you believe, only believe. Only believe you see the glory of God. I, I like the message translation, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. And you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And walk with me is walking. And then walk with me is walking with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, you will learn to live freely and lightly. Man, this is far better. Far better. So, but some people have listened and they've done that. In Hebrew 10 38, now the just shall live by faith, we read it. So, those people who have listened have given their life to Christ, and Christ has come into them to live through them. So the burden of living becomes Jesus' burden. It's not, their, it's not their body. The burden of living is this. Your responsibility is trust him. Just trust him. Believe him. If he teaches you something, follow it. That's why I said, learn of me if I'm meek and lowly in heart. So that I can teach you the rhythms of life. I can show you things, guide you by my spirit, teaching you the rhythms of life. 
In Philippians 4.12, we find, it says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now I can do it. Man, yeah, I can do it. I can say no to this sinful desire. I cannot do it through Christ, through Jesus. Strength has come. The Bible says, while we were without strength, yes, strength came. Jesus lives in me. Strength has come to me. Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. He said there is a mighty power of Christ working within us that can accomplish more than we could have done on our own. In Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, amazing revelation, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, let's take this testimony of Paul. I want us to go to Paul. And let Paul preach to us. Let him share his testimony with us. I want to just imagine that Paul is here and he's talking to us and sharing his testimony. Now, why is this testimony important? We have to learn an important lesson from it. Because this is why many people are leaving the church. This is why. Because the burden is too heavy for them. So they struggle and they are defeated and they decide that it's not working. And they think that anybody who is saying, no, I have victory is, 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 is lying. Because they use their own experience to judge everybody. So they say it's not working. They leave. Since they failed, think everybody else is like it should be so. And that's why people don't take their going to church seriously. Because they don't see the relevance. It don't, to them, it doesn't make any difference in their daily life. It doesn't. The same thing they were doing, they're still doing them. The only thing they've done is that they become clever in hiding them. And then they, they become clever in appearing good before me. The people who are close to them, people who sit with them longer know who they are. So that's why we need to teach this thing. So that people will, will come off this burden and go to what works. And go to what works. And, and enjoy the, the Christ that is in them. And have fullness of joy. Jesus said, look, I'm telling you this and so your joy will be full. If you're having fullness of joy, you're having victory, you're seeing the reality of this thing, you will go to church more. The world doesn't have even anything better. It's full of anxiety. It's full of depression. It's full of deceit. It's, all that system is deceit. You go and drink and drink and drink, drink, drink away your sorrow. You wake up in the morning with headache. I'm pretty sure you have high blood pressure. Tell me what the world has. Sexual immorality, they call it enjoyment. <laughs> Who has ever enjoyed iniquity? Call it enjoyment. And people are depressed, taking drugs, taking drugs. Poor people, rich people, middle class people, drugs, drugs. And millions can't sleep 
they just cannot sleep. It doesn't have anything better. You are going from fire to fire. So that's why we're teaching this, so you can know what works. Christ works all the time. Those who trust in him will never be put to shame. Oh, you have your battles and things, but victories, you'll be enjoying your victory and learning how to enjoy the victory, walk in victory. You're going from glory to glory, and people will testify what they have seen in your life. People will testify that Christ truly lives in you. I was talking to one of our brothers here. I said, when I hear you talk, I feel like staying and hearing you talk. He was laughing. Very modest brother. Very, very modest brother. I was talking to him. I said, my brother, well, each time you are talking, it is flowing full of grace. This brother has no pride in him. Full of grace. When he's talking, it's like you want to eat it, you know. God has witnesses. God has witnesses. I was talking to him here. Typical of him. Basically, more days, we were laughing, you know. You're laughing and laughing. But there are people, when they talk, oh, my God, it's like a house on fire. What spirit is that? Is that the gentle spirit of Christ? A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. That's what the Lord Jesus wrote in his book. But be patient with all men. Praying for them so that God can turn them away from what they are doing. Romans 7, 18. And I know that nothing lives, good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. You see the frustration I'm talking about? I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. See the frustration? But I do what I don't want to do. I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person. They leave the church at this point. It doesn't work. I people a bunch of hypocrites. That's why they call us. <laughs> hypocrites. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Dominated by sin and death. The, the world has nothing to give you. I, I can preach another one hour on this particular sentence, sin and death. I think during the Living World Conference, by the grace of God, if you list me there, we're going to look at it. Sin and death. And like I said somewhere, that sickness is, it leads to death. If it's not stopped. Verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. He said, Jesus is the answer 
That's what we're preaching. He said, come to me with all that burden. I'm not going to lay burdens on you. I will, I will give you rest. Why? I will live in you, walk in you, and be the life that is in you. If you trust me, if you let me. So now, look at Paul's testimony about his transition and see what you can learn out of it. In 2 Corinthians 5.30, if it seems we were crazy, it is to bring glory to God. If you think we lost our mind because we are church people, we believe in the Bible, we go to church, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are, out, if we are in right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love now controls us. Jesus is in charge. His, his love is manifested. His love is controlling what we say. Our emotions don't control what we say. What the other person did doesn't control what we say. It doesn't control how we react. His love does all of that. Since we believe that Christ died for all, See what faith does. He's not talking about what he believes. The just shall live by faith. It's that simple. Because Jesus said, I will never give you burden in this life, no. Since we believe, what do you believe, Paul, that changed your life? That Christ died for all who we also believe. See his testimony, what he believes. That we have all died to our old self. Paul said, I was crucified with Jesus. And he said, the law made it possible. The law made me to die. He said, it was the law. Through the law, I became crucified. Because the law said, the soul that's in shall die. So I had to die with Christ. Somebody has to pay for my death, sin. I had to die. So he said, I believe that we have all died to our old self. Paul, what do you mean died to your old self? Can you explain it to us? Now I'm asking him a question. Please, can you hear him in verse 15? He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, those in whom Christ lives, we no longer live for themselves, not because the law of Moses said that, no. They are being controlled by the spirit of Christ, the love of God. The love of God is selfless. They're under the control of Jesus. He's taking over and saying, see that thing you couldn't do, let me do it through you. He died for everyone, a selfless death. So that those who receive this kind of life that dies for everyone will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for us. We receive this life that dies for everyone. He said, that's the character of this life. So we too have died because we received that same type of life. We have also died to our own selfish end. Controlled by this, the love of Christ. For God is love. The law of Moses cannot give you this. The law of Moses will tell you an eye for an eye. 
Paul said concerning the law, perfect. But when he had Stephen preach, he organized people to kill Stephen. Kept their clothes and said, kill that man. That is the heart of somebody who doesn't have the love of God. Religious spirit, dangerous. This is the same Paul talking now that the love of Christ controls me. No struggle, no more. No more struggle. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from human point of view. We didn't know he lived in me. I didn't know. I thought it was just a, a Christ that came, you know, died. and Living me? I didn't know that. He's, he's living today by his spirit, not by his flesh. The days of his flesh were when he died on the cross. Now he's living by his spirit. That's why he's in each one of us. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Now, differently, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Why? He received the life of Christ. Jesus lives in him. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. All of it is a gift from God. The things that are freely given to us. Who brought us back to himself through Christ? God brought us back, gave us this new life. It's all gift. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Pray them. When we, when we have, and then look at Romans 7.4. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You die to the power of the Lord when you died with Christ. Now and now. You are united with the one who was raised from the dead. He lives in you. He lives in you. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Christ is the source of the good deeds. He's the source of the life we're talking about. Can't produce it without him. He is the source. All perfect and good things come from him. He's the source, brethren. We are just mere branches. If we attach to him by faith, the life will come true, the fruit will show. So we need to hide this truth in our heart, and it will produce fruit for us. David said, that what have I hidden in my heart? You need to, you need to until it registers in you and becomes a living truth in you that Christ lives in you. He is the power at work in you. That Jesus really, really lives in you. You know, I said it at the beginning that we went to Jerusalem. People were crying. And they, I cried. Then I cried. Why shouldn't I ask my Lord? Gethsemane, oh my God, I got to Gethsemane. My, I couldn't hold back tears. I, I just couldn't. But I'm asking myself, if, if that touched me that much, and it's not there. How come his presence in me is not touching me more? I mean, if, if Jesus will walk him now here, all these people here are doing production. <laughs> Everybody will, our hair will be on it. But this very Jesus, this very Christ that died is in me and is in you. And yet it doesn't produce this kind of effect on us. Proverbs 4.20. 
my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them that Jesus lives in you. God gave you the gift of life through the presence of Christ in you. Don't lose sight of this truth. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them. And healing to their whole body. God, your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Don't let wrong doctrine, don't let these people that teach the law penetrate your heart with, with burdens and things you can't carry. It will crush you. Avoid, the, avoid all pervert talks. Stay away from corrupt speech. Stay away from all those wrong doctrines. You know, they think that God will be so impressed by their holiness. They always think that God does something because of what they've done. They are so good. If God is doing something because of what you've done, then why did Jesus come? You didn't have to come now. You are good to go. We have, some, we have found somebody who can please God without faith. You can please God without faith. Some people preach hybrid stuff. They talk of grace and they bring what they do and join to it. All the glory must go to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you for this moment that you share this wonderful, wonderful Truth with us, Christ in us, the gift you gave us, the things that we freely receive. None is greater than your life in us. None is greater than Jesus in us. Jesus in us. We are so grateful for that. We are really very grateful. You told us to let these things penetrate deep into our hearts. Lord, Cause it to have entrance into every hearer. That faith will arise. Let it not be just an idea we'll talk about. Let it be the truth that we believe, we hold on to. Christ in us, that opens us up to enjoy the glory of God, the life of God. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.